Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the What Culture Gaming podcast, hosted by me, Ash Millman, and joined by he, Josh Brown. Hello, Ash. And also he, Ben Roy Turner. Hello there. Hello, everyone. Now, I've collected this collective all together to talk about The Last of Us because, oh boy, do we have so many feelings about this game. Now, the title of this is why it's the most important game of this generation. And I feel like that kind of applies whether you like the game or not, because I know the discourse is very divisive. People have lots of opinions either way. Um, But I feel like important is kind of the one accolade you can give this game that it doesn't matter if you like it or not. It's 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 important for this moment in time and it definitely has a lot about it that needs to be dug into and kind of related back to how media is going on at the moment and all the things it could potentially affect for years to come. Because this has done a lot of mad things outside of its story and inside of its story as well. So basically just to open it up and get the conversation flowing and to get The Last of Us Part 2 tears on our cheeks, fresh and dewy like a new morn, I don't know, sorry, I like <laughs> fell into a metaphor there, to get, a, to get us going, I'm going to ask you guys what your impression of this game is, uh, just in one word, I like whether you liked it, basically, because I, I feel like the words are going to be negative, but I think you liked it, so let's see, let's see. Who's gone first? Ben Roy, you go first, this is, this is too big for me, my friend. <laughs> uh, for me, it's going to be traumatic, I uh, was Ellie at the end of all things, just covered in blood, in some, in some water crying, traumatic. <laughs> Yeah, that's pa- powerful for me. I think similar to I was I was very much traumatized as well. But there's there's too much hope and there's too much love in there for me to be truly, completely, and utterly traumatized by the end. I was I was feeling a whole range of emotions by the end, and I I don't think it's any surprise considering the videos I've done so far that I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan, a big big fan. Yeah, I think all like all of us together are definitely the oh my god, it's the best thing ever crowd, which I think also helps with this kind of title. I know people will be like, oh, maybe this should be a, a negative point of view, but I think for this, um, drawing out all the positives and relating that back to the importance, and then talking about how it's perceived wider as well with the negative impact, but from a place of love, I just think that's a good way to look at it for the moment. Um, but yeah, my my word for this one, I don't think it's even a word. It's just uh, because it was just like there was too much there was too much I felt too many feelings I've never snot cried at a game before ever but this it was streaming Uh. out of my nose and my eyes and my face my face was swollen for like a day afterwards because I was just like oh and I couldn't be spoken to or looked at or touched I was like please stay away from me I'm sensitive (laughs) like I I had to sit in the dark and go oh and listen to that song on repeat 
Can I ask which point you were snot crying? Because I think I had two of those cries and probably the two points you'd expect the cries. Yeah. Was, you at the, was you at the beginning or the end or both? Right. Now, spoilers, obviously. We're going to go into spoilers for this because of all the important stuff we're going to talk about. So there is your warning. Just in case you've listened to this, tuned in, thought it's going to be freebies. There's going to be spoilers. Um, but it was actually the end, like the very end. After the credits had rolled, I just started crying. It was like delayed and it uh, all like fell out of me. But the other time was um, when... Ellie was leaving Dina to go and do the revenge that she needed to get, that she'd already kind of half gotten. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I've ever felt moved or quite as impacted as a game like this before. And I felt like that's kind of the intrinsic magic of what brings it to so many people. Like, it's, it's like Marmite to so many people is because mm. it has such a yeah. powerful force behind it. But yeah, tell me about your yeah. tears, guys. Uh, like, for, for me, there were obviously like a bunch of de devastating and sad moments. Like you said, like when Ellie goes uh, away from Dina and she kind of finally succumbs to that self-loathing of she needs this revenge because she doesn't know what she is without it. That was that was a huge point for me. But what really got me going, and I think Ben Roy will definitely agree with this, is Ellie and Joel's kind of final um, conversation. Oh. <laughs> it's so bittersweet. They're just they're so close to getting back on track. You know what I mean? They've wasted so much time in these two years not talking to each other. You know, justifiably or not, but the fact remains like, their time on this earth, whether or not the events of the second game happened or not, was going to be so finite, and they just finally start to get on board. And yes, there's so much left unsaid in that scene. I think that's quite a key point. I, I was watching an interview with Neil Druckmann on um, Kind of Funny, where he said that the original scene for that uh, moment, obviously, uh, had a hug between them, but they yeah. kind of like eliminated it, because while it was powerful, you know, it didn't really make sense for where Ellie was at that point point in the story like while we would have loved to have seen them finally hug and finally embrace like at that point she's only just starting to forgive him and the fact that she's just starting to forgive him that she didn't finally she didn't get that closure and neither did joel it was just kind of like they're on the road to it i thought that was so kind of like powerful and informed everything that came before for me the game works so well because it's like it pays off as a kind of cumulative experience. It's not just about those kind of like twist moments. Those twist moments are powerful, but it's the additive feeling of you've been on this journey with Ellie. All of these small little character and story beats have added up and then they all come crashing at you right at the end, I think. So I, I, I was the same as you, Ash. It was the credits, like that moment was powerful, but it was when I kind of felt the effect of everything together that I was like, oh good, I'm not going to be able to uh, stop crying for another three days now. Yeah, well, that's the end. Like, oh my God, like it, it's just sitting in the darkness and then hearing Ellie's voice start coming through where they're seeing that um, Wayfaring Stranger, I think it is. And then Joel's voice comes in at the end. I was just lying there going, no, no, <laughs> like wailing on my own. Oh, it's awful. It is awful. Yeah, Ben Roy, what about you? Tell us about your, your emotional devastation. Well, I, it's, my emotional devastation is because Josh was cursed with knowledge because he reviewed the game. So he, he kind of saw my journey as I was just sending messages to him and Scott. I remember <laughs> the first time that I, I flub it. I'm going to say flubbing because I need to say, I need to express how much <laughs> I thought I was safe because of all oh, the trailers. Oh, I, I know. I know there's going to be some Joel that's not in the snow. Ah, oh, I know. Neil Druckmann was lying. And then, um, <laughs> and then we get a game of Joel in one. And then he's gone. <laughs> and then I'm just sitting there and I I just started crying. And it was, I, I had, to, I, I just sat there as the game carried on the, the, the cutscenes and I was just crying and crying. And then Tommy comes with some food and I'm dead even more after that. And it was from there on, the game 
took control of me because I felt that rage that Ellie felt. And even after they had that conversation in the theater, her and Abby, I wanted to, I still wanted to go until the very end. I wanted to kill Abby. I wanted her dead. Like I was in that mindset of the character where I was like, I just couldn't get out of it. And then after that emotional release in that fight, I then like you two sunk down. And I, I again, I sent the message to uh, Scott and just like finished and then just didn't say anything for like 20 famous more <laughs> as I had the credits take over me. And as I cried some more because I saw Joel having a glimmer of like hope that maybe he'll get to be friends of Ellie again. And they'll have this father daughter relationship. There's a little bit of hope, but still they had so many years of just not, and it was sad and they never got that last proper moment. And I'm just going to keep going on if you don't stop me. So no, I think that they did have the moment. They had four years together. Like it was difficult. Mm. And it was hard. And they had these like times where obviously she learned the truth and uh, like like still stayed with him anyway. I think that that is the most important part of it. Is like she knew the truth. She knew what he did. She knew the horror he inflicted upon the world and upon herself as well, taking away her autonomy and what she wanted her life to be. He took all of that away, and she still stayed there because she loved him and she loves him. And um, like even if those four years weren't pleasant for either of them, and they didn't like like it he pushed like she pushed him away there was still so much love there and it was this horrible mm. bristling electric love that is just so specific to this relationship and that father-daughter bond that is so like hard to put your finger down on and just having it between these two and then see the conversation at the end knowing that that was there and knowing that they were bound to each other and she can't forgive him but yeah. she can't leave him either and that eventually they would have gotten over it and had a nice time together and watched their film after the day's <laughs> events of going on the hike Oh, but 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 before I go into all of that, I've, I've gone all like, oh, before we go into all that, you re- you bring up a really interesting point that we need to like dive into, which is probably the crux of why this game is so important is that it lied to us massively. Uh, the marketing campaign tells you what one way it's going to go with Joel, and you buy into a game that says all these things that it's going to deliver to you, believing you're going to get it and believing you're ready for this story of Ellie and Joel part two, and it's not that. It's not that at all. You get a bit of Joel, and then put the golf club in his face and um, that's the end of that did you guys like that did you guys enjoy that once joel was dead and everything was unknown or did you think oh good uh, grief i liked it i thought it was like such a kind of a genius move but then i also liked uh, metal gear solid 2 when you find out you're not actually playing a solid snake i think they're very uh, comparable games in terms of how they kind of fooled players obviously that game made you think you were going to play a Solid Snake, and then you were this newcomer that everyone didn't like, and a lot of people didn't like that rug pull. But I think this game justifies it a little bit more, because it's not that um, Joel's death is kind of unsurprising in the grand scheme of things, I don't think. A lot of people, like myself included, were adamant from the very first trailer that he was dead, and yes, he wasn't a ghost at the end of the day. Oh, but thank God. Like, it felt like this was a story that could only kind of function if Joel was out of the picture. You know what I mean? Like Neil Druckmann was saying, this is a game about hate. This is a game about revenge. This is a game that kind of puts the player themselves in this headspace where they hate these characters and they don't really know how to, you know, deal with these emotions. And I don't think you can get that effect without killing Joel. That said, the fact that they did kind of manage to make that expected beat surprising by outright lying to you is kind of weird from an ethical issue because I feel like, you know, I think it's fine to do that because the end result is, you know, amazing and resonant and powerful. But a lot of people will not like being lied to. And there is a claim that it's kind of like false advertisement or something because it's not the experience that you want. 
But it's, it's kind of weird when personal taste comes into this because I don't think anyone was complaining about um, the Avengers Infinity War that Hulk was in the marketing, but he's not actually in the movie. You know, no one's going false, false advertising. <laughs> we were lied to, you know what I mean? Because everyone liked that movie for the most part. Whereas here, it's a much more divisive thing. And I think the lines are a little bit kind of more blurred for it. I'm personally like a big fan because like you said, like you said, Ben Roy, when you get that moment, like all bets are off and then you have no idea what's going to come and you are in for an experience that you can't prepare for. Mm. I mean, I'm glad he wasn't a ghost for the first time. That, that, that I mean, crap. Yeah. Get out, <laughs> get out of my life. But um, towards the end, it kind of all worked its way around. And I do believe that this story, like, I don't know what they would have done if Joel wasn't dead. Like, they would have killed Dina. And then, but then would oh. any have really gone for the, no! would any no! have gone across the, across the world really for Dina, who she kind of like wasn't really with at that point yet. You know what I mean? But just, it's weird because I don't know if I ever want a game to swap models out in cutscenes like this ever again. Because it just, I mean, I probably wouldn't care about a game as much as I did this because it just ripped my heart out straight away. It's like, well, I'm done now. It's, yeah, it's hard. I think it was clever at the same time because I, I maybe I should do the thing where I only really watch trailers for things I care about. I should just watch trailers all together because I have in my head like, oh, I admit, Joel's in a Joel's in a bit where there's no um where there's no snow and he he goes you think I'm gonna let you do this on your own and then Jesse says that. I'm like you just reminded oh, me I so big for Jesse doing that I was like ah because I was fully believing that it was Ghost Joel by that point yeah. like I bought into all of Josh's theories about it being Ghost Joel <laughs> I was messaging him going I can't believe Ghost Joel is in this what the hell like waiting for him to pop up as like Ellie's fractured psyche and then Jesse was there I was like ah because I know don't what? know oh. Oh, sorry, Ash, go on. Sorry. No, I just loved it. I loved it. I love being lied to. I love it. And I think this whole narrative marketing device of fooling people to get them invested, it's Im it's maybe immoral. It is maybe immoral. But for this, I think it worked perfectly. But I also am very much of the opinion that the people who feel that they were deceived into not having an Ellie and Joel experience, like the whole game is an Ellie and Joel experience. Everything is driven by the thrust of Joel. The, everything in this game relates back to Joel and has Joel's feelings and emotions across it and has all of his teachings that he's given to Ellie all over it and the flashbacks where you experience those with him and have that little look into the life that they had together, like the space thing and uh, the dinosaurs. Like, it, this, is a, this is a game about Joel. Joel might not be in it, but this is a game fully centered around Joel, even though you're playing as Ellie and learning through her eyes. Um, and I feel like swapping character models out and giving people a different perspective of seeing that maybe blurs that vision slightly because people think, oh, I'm going to see Joel, I'm going to actually see him. But the truth is, it's more of his essence that's kind of soaked into everything. Yeah. yeah we, like, uh, Sorry, Ben, right? Go on. I was just going to say, yeah, we did get a giraffe moment as well in that yeah. sense of the dinosaur stuff. We just got it near the middle sort of thing. And it wasn't in context of the time. But I still mm -hmm. think, as I said, like I then bringing Joel into his flashbacks brought me back into the, the whole experience and made me understand by the end but sorry josh you were gonna say no i was just yeah i was just agreeing with you both essentially like the idea that joel is has kind of been disrespected or whatever kind of just i don't understand <clears throat> that take because yeah he died in like a really brutally way he died when we didn't expect him to die maybe he didn't deserve to go out in such a, a tortured fashion but at the same time like ash said this is still very much ellie and joel's story and that can still happen with his him being absent like you know what i mean like his absence is almost like a character in and of itself like i don't know about you but when i was playing through the sections as ellie 
uh, especially when Ellie was alone and isolated and she wasn't talking much. Like you long for that kind of presence and that comes in through the dialogue as well, you know, talking about the movie night, talking about the fact that at the end of the game, even though they've had like this rocky four years, it was about to be better. They were about to get that closure. They were about to start something new. And the fact that you're robbed of that <clears throat> in the sense of you're robbed of the perfect Last of Us 2 video game that was in your head, just like Ellie is robbed of her future with the character. I just thought that was kind of like such a genius uh, move because there was never a moment in the game where Joel like wasn't on my mind. Even when mm. you swap to Ed, to um, Abby, I was still kind of like analyzing her character and assessing my relationship with that character through what she did to Joel. Like I think one, Joel's actions at the end of the first game and two, what Abby does to Joel, like those are the kind of like the overarching driving points of the entire narrative and what happens to the characters all branch off that moment and they're all those moments and then you do get those moments like you said uh, where Joel is actually present in the story and it's kind of everything you wanted it to be you get the fallout and the exploration of his lie at the end of the first game you get those amazing moments where he is a genuine father to this character which is bittersweet because then you're taken back and then you're thrust into a world without that and you kind of long for it and I just think it's kind of like it's like the best of both worlds. I feel if I, if I personally got a Last of Us Part 2 that was essentially the same as the first game, it's another Ellie and Joel adventure, it would have been good, but I don't think it would have been as powerful and as resonant as this was by robbing you, essentially, and the character of that relationship. Yeah, yeah. and I was just going to say as well, like the whole thing of another reason why it's so important because it just shows how characters can like change because don't forget it's been four years and people one of the criticisms is oh joel wouldn't go in there but the thing is joel is now softened up because he's now been in jackson for four years now and he's making his guitars and he's basically become troy baker in this house <laughs> and like you have to think of that moment in time when they're being chased by all these clickers all these infected like no one's thinking straight they just need to get somewhere and i i can totally buy that he went in there unsuspected but you, you know straight away he click he clicks get it and <laughs> he clicks that tank's not right here this whole group of people and before he can do really anything about it bam shotgun knee gone sort of thing so mm. i think that i can understand why someone might say that but also joel's not been ruthless killer man for four years four years really he's been sort of like laid back and trying to be a father and reading about space yeah i feel like the the end of the last of us was kind of his cathartic this is my big killer man this is what i've trained to do is to kill every single firefly in this and rescue early and that is kind of his moment of purpose so all of the killing and death and stuff he'd learned along the way kind of accumulated into that moment and then after that it's just about living for the life that he fought for and living for the life that he fought for for ellie as well so believing better in people and seeing a uh, living in a homestead of people that are better than everyone else's yeah. experience like he's surrounded by survivors that are doing more than surviving for the whole experience of his four years so that's going to change him that's going to shape him and seeing that he is a good person and gets punished for that kind of drives the point home even further but just to move this on a little bit and kind of relate it back to uh title like how do you think that this is important for like the games industry do you think that this is going to have a massive effect because i certainly feel like lots of maybe lesser games are going to see this this way that they've had this marketing deception and go oh i'm gonna give that a go and people aren't going to be on board for it i don't know how well it's going to go down but yeah i would say why it's so important is because so many games 
uh, you're the hero, you're doing something, and you're basically saving the day. This game has taken the hero's journey, which pretty much was the last of us one. People say that you were the villain in the end of the last of us one. You really weren't in that sort of story. I mean, sure, you, you may have just ruined the world, but the hero's journey here, <laughs> I mean, I don't care. I, I want Ellie to live, so screw them. They don't deserve it. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Uh, But this game took the hero's journey and just ripped it past. No, we're not doing that same thing again. You're not going to just go do-do-do-do-do and get your your all like... um, a revenge you're gonna go through all this muck you're gonna see the other perspectives you're gonna realize all these people that you've been murdering like yes you you were bashing square to beat nora to death while she was choking and then you go and see that some of these people actually have humanity and they have relationships and they've cared for each other and they love each other but no you're still going to kill them and for me this game i i i really believe that this game turned me into some sort of maniac villain the way like i just i just want i just want revenge for joel and it took that the strike the weird free act structure we've had in stories for so long and just go nah gone Mm. and it's done it so effectively that something about this game just sat with me for so long afterwards it's only until i played it again and was managed to like get some emotional distance that i've sort of come to this point where i can exist and play other games again like it's really hard to say that it left so much of a weight on me and i think that's all because of 
the way that they've so I don't want to use the word subverted because it's been tainted forever, but how it's changed your perspective and just kind of no, we can do something different in games. We don't just have to be the person with the gun who kills all the people. A bit like Death Stranding, even though that was kind of the hero's journey where you reconnected the world and then yeah, but I like how this took the story don't I'm going to keep doing this because this is how I'm going to represent it. it just <laughs> and went from there and changed it up and really explored what a game could possibly be. Yeah, speaking about like obviously changing up and what games can be, the one of the most uh, contentious points of this game at all is Abby's perspective coming in the second half, which we've got to talk about as well because it's an important move in general for this series and in in the wider world of gaming. Playing as the person who really viciously, nastily, unpleasantly murders your faux father figure, as uh, as Ben put it, your pseudo father figure of gaming. Joel like smashes his head in with a with a golf club and um, leaves him for dead, like tortures him violently, like gives Ellie nightmares for the rest of her life, sends this whole narrative into motion. I'm, I'm, I'm like losing my words because it's, it's, it is such a powerful move and such a great yeah. move, I think. And, and I understand why people don't like Abby. And my, my initial opinion of it is um, the whole game drives you to hate it. It drives you to hate everything that's going on in it. It drives you to hate, as Neil Druckmann wanted the game to be. It's a cycle of hate and a cycle of violence that you come round on and it's inescapable and you are driven to hate it. And lots of people misdirect that anger at hating the messenger and the medium that it's told in, like hating the game itself, rather than driving it through these character experiences that kind of force you into empathy boxes. And um, I feel like having Abby's perspective in there is kind of like the solidifying point on whether you can push your empathy to that point or if you just not, if this game isn't for you. And it's totally fair if the game isn't for you and if you don't like it for that. But I think calling it a bad game or bad storytelling for that point is wrong and incorrect. Um, I didn't like Abby. I didn't enjoy playing as her. I didn't have a great time with her and I didn't empathize with her. But I say all that because I thought she was an excellent character to have. And I think her part of the gameplay was so important and just wonderful to have in there that even if I didn't like her, it didn't matter because I, I learned something by the end of it. I came away with a new experience and a learning point that just made the whole thing worth it. And uh, it doesn't matter if I liked her or not. It doesn't matter if I empathized with her because by the end of the story, I, I, I did understand her, I understood her motivation, I understood where she came from and that that was a whole new Joel and Ellie dynamic and that things are greater than the story you get in the game. Like things open up wider. There are more stories. Everyone in this game has their own personal relationships and things going on i'm going on so much this game is just about the individual and the experience of the individual and we had one very specific one with joel and ellie and to open that up and to give it to someone else is bold and dangerous and important and i'd like to see more games kind of show the same empathy and love for their characters that put other ones that we love in the same way they did with abby but yes did you guys like abby i um so for me abby I, like you, I didn't. I, I wasn't Team Abby, like uh, so many other people. Like, not in the sense of the internet where they've taken it and spurred it into all these things. Like, why does she have muscles? But more the fact that what she did and how she. I had more empathy for the people she took on this journey because she took yeah. so many people across the country to murder and torture one man, and then, yeah, I, she, she, her character journey was there but for me i just wanted to get back to ellie and i don't know about you i want to find out like if i had killed if i had to kill ellie in that fight in the theater i don't know i i, I legit paused the game and put the controller down it's just i couldn't do it i couldn't fight ellie after all this after everything i'd done to then like pff, i'm just gonna now take her down but for me abby 
it's it's weird calling her the villain. I don't think she is, but I think it's certainly there to the point where it makes you not want to be her, and it shows. It's, I, I get why people say it, it's trying to force it onto you a bit, mm. but for the end, of the story like I came away not hating her at the end because I felt like they like as Neil Neil um and I can't remember the other the writer's name at this moment, but I can't remember the name. But how they brought hate if you just put hate with hate together, it's going to clash in such a way that everyone loses and everyone does lose. Like um, probably one of the people that gets the worst out of all, it all is Tommy when he's got, he's missing an eye. Somehow he survived getting shot in the back of the head and he's got no one to live with now. But the fact is that just, it just shows that the hate in the end, just clashing each other, that fight, I don't know about you, but, and I think uh, Nicholas brought this point up who works at what culture as well, mainly on the rest of the side is you don't know really who you're pressing square for at the end when they're both fighting and they're both trying to kill each other and drown. I don't know about you, but like, what do you think there? Do you think you're playing as Abby or Ellie and sort of thing like that? Well, all right. For me, when it comes to like the square thing, like I, I honestly didn't even consider that it was maybe anyone else other than Ellie until like you guys started mentioning it. And then it blew my mind completely because you're absolutely you know, spot on. And in that moment, you've been both these characters and who are you fighting for or whatever. And I think that's like quite, again, it's such a uniquely video gamey thing to do in the way that they weave that with the actual what's happening in the plot at that moment is uh, like, is like genius, uh, I think. I don't think it's too um, pompous or preposterous to say that. But when it comes to Abby in general, especially on a second playthrough, like I'm finding myself not only kind of tolerating her or empathizing with her plight but actually liking her as a person and a character i think her story is as com is compelling as ellie's because she's like you know what ellie could become you know what i mean she's had her um revenge and she's come out of it feeling hollow and kind of dissatisfied and realizing that it's got her nowhere and it's through her relationship with lev that she kind of becomes this better person she finds a purpose again because for so long her only purpose was like hunting down Joel and killing Joel. And after that, she's essentially left with nothing. And that's kind of what Ellie has at the end of the game as well. Like her her purpose, it isn't in her family, it isn't in, in Jackson. It's uh, getting revenge for Joel, it's hunting down um, um, Abby. And we know where that leads because we've seen the other side. And I think, you know, one of the big, perhaps reductive statements about the game is that it's kind of, you know, um, simplistic in its morality. It's saying, oh, well, the bad guys have family too. And while it is, of course, doing that, I feel like that is a bit simplified. I don't think the only reason we play as Abby is to kind of get this perspective on our own actions and to prove that other people are living and breathing and have their own relationships. I just think it's kind of more important to mirror Ellie's story. And I think, you know, Laura Bailey, who's like the performance caption, the voice actor for Abby is, is so good. She brings out these, these subtle details and subtle vulnerabilities to the character as she grows and kind of gets like redemption, you know what I mean, towards the end. And I think it's such a valuable perspective that we don't often get that, you know, it fundamentally for me makes the game work. Like I said before, if we, if we just had Ellie, if we just followed Ellie, it would have been a good game. But the fact that we have these parallels going on and the fact that we intersect these stories is so sound. And I just want to completely steal someone's idea is my <laughs> last point because I think my internet is dying and I'm going to have to go. Uh, but I was watching um, a big analysis by um, a great kind of like YouTuber called Noah Javier last night. And he was saying, um, you know, the best part of uh, the, the Abby storyline is um, 
Oh no, I've completely forgotten my train of thought. <laughs> what was he saying about it? <laughs> I don't know. Oh no. Oh my god. What is the point I was trying to make? I don't. Okay, yes, okay. I mean, sorry, I'm going to have to have another cut there uh, and do that again. Um, uh, <laughs> and I was. Sorry, I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> Just leave this in. um, A a YouTuber last night, actually, who did a big analysis, who made like a really great point (laughs) in that that, uh, when it comes to um, Abby's story, like the way that her story doesn't intersect with Ellie's is kind of so important. Because when I was playing through that, um, her her back half, I was like, why aren't we seeing the effects of Ellie's kind of murderous rampage on um, Abby when it's such a easy opportunity to intersect them and kind of show you the impact of it but he made the point of it kind of shows how insignificant ellie's revenge actually is and kind of how useless it is because you're not seeing the impact ellie's on this rampage but it's so insignificant in the in the kind of grand scheme of abby's life at that point in in the life of the scars and in the life of the wlf like she doesn't even realize she's there until she's killed Owen and Mel at the end, and it's kind of it kind of shows how useless it is because the effect that Ellie wants to kind of you know bring Abby to justice and kind of make her life as miserable as hers, it's not even having that effect because Abby at that point she's kind of moved on, she's got bigger problems, and that only kind of like drags her back in um, right at the very end with Mel and Owen, and when they have to kind of confront each other again. Like I feel like with Abby, you're constantly seeing someone try to move on and get pulled back into this life when perhaps. She deserves, at least like Joel did, the um, opportunity for forgiveness. And on that note, my internet has absolutely died. And hopefully that made any sense at all. And I hope you guys have a good time finishing this up. Maybe. Oh, oh, there he goes. (laughs) There he is. Thanks for that. And drop it in to give that the Abby perspective. But yeah, I think, um, yeah, as much as like, as much as it is difficult to relate to her and that it's an unpleasant journey, I do think it's an absolutely necessary one. And uh, Josh bringing up the point about it being insignificant is really interesting. Like, that's another facet that I haven't even considered because this game is full of so many different perspectives and points that kind of bring it together into something new. I don't think we have seen a game of this scope or emotional devastation or, like, the effect that a game can have quite as much as we have with this one. Like, the whole crux of it is, like, it's like... It's oh, I can't. Even, I don't even have words for it. it it's it's the, the words defy it because all the things that come together to create it are next level. And I think if this is a sort of standard of game we're going to hold games to, it's an incredibly high one and almost an impossible one. I don't think we're going to get a game like this again. And I think that, as we relate back to the title, is important because it, it's a new bar for people to kind of create emotive, engaging new concepts in places we've already seen them, like we've seen the zombie genre and the apocalypse genre and the humans are worse monsters and the real monsters genre time and time again. But this somehow still manages to carve out a new and fresh perspective that we haven't necessarily experienced before, which I think is incredibly special. Yeah. Yes, I don't think I want a game like this ever again, to be fair. I don't want to be put through, because I think we've all said this off camera, like this, this game lends itself to being just played and played until you can't physically do anymore like um i played for you know, a second time i picked up some of some things that i actually missed but just playing to the point where like, i'm so tired and so sad but i just need to keep going i need to i need to avenge this person or i need to see what happens next uh yeah i don't know if i need this experience for a quite a while yeah. like i'm happy just to now get off to cyberpunk and then 
do some funny stories about people's penises going wild somewhere. Oh God, yeah, there's all sorts coming up for Cyberpunk that's uh, completely strange. I think um, the kind of the last things that kind of tie into um, The Last of Us 2 and how that is going to impact the industry. There is obviously loads to say about leaks and crunch culture. We've done lots of um, podcasts and those sort of things previously and how they've been tied to this game. Uh, but I think kind of the approach to leaks and how people engage with those and the effect it has on a release has never been seen quite to this degree. Um, and that's important. And obviously, uh, crunch culture we've gone into before about it, it shone light on bad practices in the industry that have yet to be rectified that are hopefully going to learn and be rectified in the future. And of course, also, um, I think kind of the closing point for this is the Last of Us Part Two does lots and lots of things right, and it especially shines um, an incredibly important spotlight on having gay characters, bisexual characters, trans characters in a game, and treating them as characters rather than uh, simple facets of someone's personality. Like, oh, it's the gay character, the bisexual character, the trans character. I know there is a bit of contention around um, Lev as a character because uh, they are dead named in the game. Like, he is um, referred to as his as his previous name, and that's something that kind of the conversation has been brought up around it, which I think is really important in itself. It's it's putting these people in spotlights where you can see them as, as people rather than just as progressive politics shoehorned into a game. And I think they've done an incredible job of fleshing that out. But there's still things to be learned. And the trans community has spoke a lot about Lev's treatment and um, how there kind of should be more to it than maybe just this uh, perilous, horrible assault that he has the whole way through um that, that but yeah i think that the conversation has opened up at all and it's and they're doing these things is inherently pr progress and something that should be happening in the gaming industry yeah yeah is there anything else you want to bring up ben because we're kind of like sweeping up the last points into one big pot i think i think you swept them up nicely and i feel like again everything that's brought into this the whole like the continuation of having strong gay characters, bringing trans characters into the mix and having a full breadth. It doesn't feel like I'm painting my numbers here and I'm having this person here, having this person here. And some, you get this a lot where people feel like the the white male just gets made to look dumb and fall over and die a lot, where I don't feel that happens here either. I feel like this is a as good as anyone's ever done it so far. Like there, obviously yeah. there are, issues with the whole left thing being dead named and that's that's for someone else to talk about this a lot more qualified to talk about than me but for the whole point of this I, I feel like every character works in the way and i feel like most of them are treated with the respect they deserve mm. and just segue hard over to your crunch culture section it's hard there as well because we we hear stories but we don't Naughty Dog isn't just a, a studio of one or two people. It isn't just Neil Druckmann. And it isn't just the people that have come out saying that they will put under horrible crunch. It's There's so many other people there that we would have to get more insight into the studio before I feel like, I, me personally, I could do any sort of criticism. But I, I know that for, from past experiences, working hundreds of hours plus straight and stuff like that is just not not, not productive like that. It, it shouldn't happen. It's it ultimately comes down to management somewhere has sort of like fallen over itself. But then you can see why these figureheads, like the head of Rockstar and the head of Naughty Dog, they don't get so burnt out by it because it's their sort of baby in their creation, and they're just full on the whole time. And they want, and you know, when you're creating something, you don't want to stop because you just want to be perfect, and it never will be. And it's the pursuit of saying that just. A bit like the end of this game, pursue something that you're never going to get to bring yeah. it back to the game in the end. 
Yeah, no, I think um, I think what what this boils down to, and again, why The Last of Us Part Two is the most important video game of the generation, is the conversations it opens up. It has blown open the industry in terms of it's sparking people to debate things that maybe they haven't thought about before, or like had different perspectives. Um, with having Abby, the uh, killing off Joel, marketing deception, all the different things that it draws into one place to create such a divisive and beautiful and like inc- and ugly as well. It, it, it's everything all in one. It's it's polar opposites drawn to each other, like pushing two magnets together. And I think it's just such an incredible feat of human engineering and empathy and creation that I, I, oh, I just think it's so great. I think it's brilliant. And I think that people are taking it and engaging with it and conversing about it, even the points that they hate. Like even if you really don't like the game, you think that it's a load of trash and you, you don't resonate with it at all, that you can have that conversation and where, the, where it fell down for you and how those things work so well for other people, I think is a turning point in the industry that will spark lots of different ways that we approach this media, especially how much of a cinematic scope it has as more of a, a movie game which I know the first one had as well, but I just think the way that it does this one and the way it's grown with its own franchise and built upon very strong foundations and turned them into something else, um, I just think is incredible. But yeah, we should probably wrap up the podcast. So yeah, what are, you, what are your closing thoughts on The Last of Us Part Two, like all together as a game? What do you have to say about it, Ben Roy? I am going to say what I, I, I pretty much said on Twitter was that this is one of the most important games of our moment right now. And it's not perfect because nothing is, but I think it is teetering on the edge of a masterpiece. But for me, I'm always going to take the experience of Last of Us 1 and have that and cherish that as my personal favourite. But I really do believe that this is a step up from that in certain ways and is very important and also very good. Yes, it's a step up and a step out, I think. It's like doing a big, wide, horrible, gangly straddle over the over the yes. first one. It's like, hey, here I am, baby. Also, also, it um, looks very good. So, you know, have a look oh, at the art. Showing the book, showing <laughs> the book. But yeah, that has been our, uh, our lovely podcast and why Last of Us Part 2 is the most important game of this generation. What do you think about The Last of Us Part 2? It is, a again, a massive conversation that we all have to have. But let us know in the comment section below what you think about it, if you enjoyed it, the things you did enjoy, the things you didn't enjoy. Let it all out in the comment section. That is what it is for. Um, I've been Ash. You can catch me on Twitter at Ash Millman. And this has been Ben Roy, who you can catch on Twitter at... At Ben Roy Turner. Yes, and Josh has been here, but has gone due to the internet. So sorry for the working from home troubles. But his uh, Twitter is at Josh Brune with two O's, as he always describes it. But yeah, let us know what you think. And just please enjoy this game. Please find things you like with this game, because there are plenty. I know there's plenty that people may not as well, but the nature of making diverse, massive, grandscape games is the way it be sometimes. But yeah. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you again soon. There'll be more Last of Us coverage. You can read my article on this topic as well on the website, uh, which just has the same title, which kind of goes into things a little bit more depth from my perspective. And, uh, yeah, there's loads of content coming out around Last of Us, so please enjoy that as well. And now I'm finally going to finish. Goodbye. Thank you for watching, and I'll see you again soon. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs> 